0: This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory.
1: Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade. Man, it doesn't matter where you're at. It's always great to be saving money and using technology and living a more sustainable life. I'm Tim Eccles, the host of Energy Matters, and in the studio with me today in that co-host chair is Casey Boyce. Hey, Casey. Hey, Tim. Good to be with you. Yeah, good to have you back on the show and co-hosting this show today. For our first segment, we've got Carlos Walks. Uh, Carlos, yes, uh, you are from Avondale States. Yes, sir. And you guys are working on some really cool projects down there. We're going to hear a little bit more about them. Uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, our show's Twitter handle is Matters Radio. I'm at Tim Eccles. I'm a public service commissioner here in the state. Casey, what's your Twitter handle? That's pretty simple it's at Casey Boyce. KC, just the letters KC Boyce. And. Casey, tell us what you do and what your title is and some of the things you're involved in. Sure. So I am a senior product director at a company called
0: Escalant, and we're a human behavior and data analytics firm, which is a simple way of saying we go out and look at customers uh, for utilities and other companies and say, hey, you know, what is it that makes them tick?
1: Yeah. And Carlos, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and what your Twitter handle is.
2: Uh, I'm Carlos Wax, the co-founder of a tech company called XIQ. Twitter handle is at Electronics IQ, Instagram at TeamXIQ, and Facebook at TeamXIQ, TeamXIQ.com as well.
1: Yeah, great. We're going to be talking about a cool product that you have, German-engineered, made in America, called the Stinger. Yes. Uh, and it replaces uh, the ignition module, not just on a golf cart uh, or a Polaris gym car, but really any kind of non-automotive vehicle from forklifts to uh, you know, to, to whatever, right? Yes, and, you know, Casey, I, I don't know. Do you, you've got an electric car. You've had multiple electric cars. you own a golf cart by chance, Casey? I don't, but I've got some neighbors who do. Yeah. And I know one of the neighborhoods that we lived in, there were lots of gar- golf carts riding, riding around. And, of course, Peachtree City is the famed Georgia city that was really built around golf courts golf carts right right carlos correct
2: for uh, the nation's first golf cart supported community and the nation's largest golf cart supported uh, community
1: yeah so there's a ton of delta pilots and airport personnel that's i grew up on the south side i grew up in in morrow and then in riverdale which is in clayton county and it was just one county north of fayette county and you yourself went to uh, a Clayton County High School, didn't you? I went to Morrow High School. I grew up in Morrow as well. (laughs) Yeah, so I lived at 2603 Lake Harbin Road. I know where that is. (laughs) uh, And went to uh, Lake Harbin Elementary Mm -hmm. uh, and to Morrow Junior High. Then we moved to Riverdale and our family bought a house over there, uh, a a house that had actually burned and we we rebuilt it. Uh, And then I went to North Clayton High Mm -hmm. School. So it's great to have another Clayton County and here my granddad was a county commissioner there in Clayton County three terms just an eighth grade education but he was a hard worker and it's really where I learned how to campaign I went with my granddad when I was just nine ten eleven years old knocking on doors uh, in Clayton County and and learning how to talk to voters so Mm -hmm. it was Mm -hmm. cool yeah yeah, and that's what this is all about. Uh, yeah. I can tell you about the investor journey that's like knocking
2: on doors as well, but I totally understand.
1: Yeah, well, tell us a little bit about the development of the Stinger, how you how you came up with the idea and how it's being uh, received out there. Um, the aha moment came when my co-founder, who lives in
2: Peachtree City, discovered that many of the golf carts were being stolen quite easily. We discovered that uh, these golf carts really use uh, same or similar keys. They have rudimentary ignitions that are easy to um, uh, uh, essentially start. So in our journey, we started to discover many other types of vehicles outside of automotive have very rudimentary ignitions. So we created... The Stinger, which is a smart device that replaces that uh, ignition, that key ignition. We get rid of the key, we introduce a pin code that can activate the vehicle. So we wanted to tackle security first. Then we took it to the next level, introduced convenience with the mobile app because this is a software driven device to give people the uh, com- combined security and convenience of in- uh, engaging their vehicles.
1: Casey, I don't know if you've stayed in Airbnb stuff before. Have you done no, Airbnb? Not. Yeah. I, know, I know
0: what it is, yeah. but, yeah.
1: You know, uh, we, our family vacations down uh, on the Gulf. Uh, we've been going there 25 years, and we get some little condos. And I've noticed they've gone from keys to the kind of combination lock. Yeah, the codes. Uh, yeah. yeah, the codes. And this, this sounds and feels a little like that, Carlos. Right, right. It starts there. It starts with the code. So essentially, you, you, we, we want to get rid of the key because
2: that's usually the biggest headache, especially with fleets and rentals and so forth. Get rid of the key, introduce the code. Then we take it to the next level of uh, being able to uh, move data. You know, now that we integrate with the vehicles, we can tell people who's on them and so forth. But then cities came to us to start to say, look, if you can integrate this hardware onto these vehicles, can you manipulate the software to allow people to rent them? Basically, like Lime and Bird, but without scooters, you'd have a four-wheel vehicle that's electric-powered with windows and doors and cargo space and could be
1: solar-powered and could move people, uh, microtransit, uh, around town. Casey, I know that you've been involved with gathering data from particular Types of customers, types of businesses, and you really are into data and the data business. And I know you and Carlos just met today. Um, so what, is this, what are some of the questions that come to your mind as you think about this or applications for some of the clients that you've had you, you, that might be able to now gather data from other things other than say solar panels on a house or a a, a smart thermostat, now being able to get this from a golf cart or a forklift or a gator or anything else that uses a key.
0: Yeah, so uh, Carlos, are you guys um, gathering the data from the the users, the vehicles? What what kind of data are you gathering with this device? Both actually.
2: Okay, so essentially when you have a fleet, whether it's for rental or you have a fleet where you're using it on a construction site or you have a fleet that you distribute out to the end user, what they want to know is who's on it, mm-hmm. how long are they on it, and also how much power does the vehicle have. And to give them the opportunity to have that as an, at an easily accessible site where they can remotely see this at gives them more power of control over their assets. Because at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is give these people who own these assets, more control over their assets. And that's what they want. That's what they've been asking us for.
0: So it sort of centralizes the fleet optimization problem, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. From a single screen, you can say, hey, you know, this is where we need to move vehicles or, Absolutely. or whatever the case may be. Absolutely. We try to keep it simple. We integrate
2: our hardware on there, transmit that data to the end user and say, and we say, look, we can start with the simple information, who, what, when, where, how, and how long. And so they can really know what's happening with their vehicles. and. You know, we've we've this is something that the market's asking us for. You know, this is something of value to them. So we said, let's go for it.
0: Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense from a fleet perspective in terms of being able to, you know, make sure that they are where they need to be when they need to be and and have the the charge that they need. Are you seeing any uh, use in in terms of, you know, outside of Peachtree City, urban mobility kind of uh, solutions? Absolutely. More Peachtree cities are popping up. Peachtree City was an outlier for decades, but now more
2: communities are being built around this centralized model. Now we have the introduction of more traffic, dense traffic patterns, uh, less parking, and cities are looking for answers. So we had a couple cities, Avondale and Decatur, come to us and say, listen, we've got some needs, we see these vehicles, we see what you're doing, can you make this happen, can you help us? And we said, absolutely, let's step in and do that. So when do you launch in Decatur? We wanna launch within the year. You know, right. At this stage, the only thing holding us back, and we've done the hard work, the hardware works we're moving data um, on beta testing with uh forklifts out of out of a certain part of georgia but we're looking to move this with uh, certain amounts of funding so we can fast track this we're already working with polaris and we know it works so yes that's a that's the timeline we're
0: looking at excellent well that's where i live so i'm looking forward to seeing the the uh, gems around decatur absolutely uh, yeah I'd <laughs> love to connect with you there So, yeah.
1: Kay- casey as you think about because you, you serve on a city position don't you now aren't you i no? do
0: yeah so i'm i'm on the city of decatur's uh, zoning, board of yeah, so yeah. zoning board of appeals so you're uh, on
1: the zoning board of appeals so as you think about information that a city would want uh from the vehicles that it owns or even the vehicles that they might i don't know i i'm sure in peachtree city you have to license these golf cars don't right. you have to Correct. pay a fee yes you have to register city? them yes yeah. i mean it seems like It seems like this is just a treasure trove of being able to get data you know, from use like this. I mean, what comes to your mind, Casey, as you kind of put on your consulting hat and think about advising a city?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, ultimately what cities want to do is be able to move people through them, right? They want to get them from home to work or, you know, home to a restaurant or whatever the case may be. Uh, and for a long time, the answer to that has been cars, right? And so you see cities like Decatur, like Atlanta, like Athens, others uh, around the state and across the country that are saying, hey, you know, maybe there are other ways of getting people where they need to go. So you've seen the micro scooters that you mentioned. Um, but that, that's why I asked Carlos, you know, what sort of you're seeing from the city's standpoint. But I think this potentially fills that gap And the data that you're delivering can help those city planners understand, you know, where are the beginning and end points, right? And, and how long do trips take? And how do we, you know, not optimize a fleet infrastructure, but how do we optimize the city infrastructure? If we've got a big, broad boulevard, Do we take some of that and put it into a low speed transit lane or, you know, for something like a gem car? Do we reduce speed limits in certain areas because we've got the gem cars going through? Um, So it it strikes me that it it really helps provide more insight into, you know, within cities, how people are getting to where they go and, and where those places are. And these are points that you brought
2: up that are very important. And what I want to say is our approach is not top down, it's bottom up. You know we've seen how you introduce a lot of vehicles and you say hey here you go but what we want to do is work with the cities and find out what their specific initiative is the problem is common transportation parking overpopulation clean energy transportation alternative last mile the problem's common but the initiatives differ avondale's about revitalization decatur's about too much traffic period they've got the numbers they want to be able to control it so we want to work with those municipalities. Find out how they use the tools. We say, "Hey, here's the opportunity. We can enable these vehicles. We can give you tools to track and and keep, uh, you know, uh, keep get the information on on the
1: usage and so forth." But how does it work for you? Because each place is different. When we come back, I, I want us to talk about using these Polaris Gym cars as as possible rideshare vehicles. I'm I'm a big Lyft person, and uh, we've got tons of of Lyft cars and Uber cars, so. Uh, Stick around. We're going to learn more about how to use these low-speed electric vehicles and make them effective in your area. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. arm. John, one of our sponsors for the show, Row Insulating Company, is doing a great job in and around Athens being able to do a lot of what we talk about every single week on the show. You
0: get, every time it gets cold, every time it gets hot, it's always a, it's always that attic that's the problem. And uh, you could attack windows, and that's going to cost you a cold fortune. It is insulation
1: that can solve the problem. Hey, if you want to get this fixed, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854. Rowe Insulating Company. Ro- Hey, welcome back to Energy Matters. I'm Tim Eccles, your host, sitting in the co-host chair today, K.C. Boyce. Hey, K.C. Hey, Tim. Yeah, what's your Twitter handle? I'm at K.C. Boyce, so that's just K.C. Boyce. K.C. Boyce. Yep. And Carlos Walks is here with us today from Avondale Estates. Welcome back, Carlos. Thank you. And your website, Carlos, and let me make sure I've got this right, is team, like a team player, T-E-A-M xiq.com. Correct, and folks can find out there about this stinger device. uh, And sounds like a Georgia Tech gizmo, but uh, we'll we'll go with it. Uh, Even though I'm a bulldog, I think it is a a a brilliant a brilliant invention. And Casey, it's you think about you know sometimes technologies are good, but they're lacking one little thing to help them scale or to be accepted by. You know the general population. So for EVs, and you know, obviously having having a charger network, being able to charge for sure. You know in a in in, in a quicker way than you know than before. Uh, you think about various things that have been tried, but they they they've fallen short because of one fatal flaw. Um, it seems like the Stinger is going to allow. Uh, much more of a a broad adaptation of non-automotive vehicles that maybe seem like too much of a liability because, oh, we always lose the key or we don't use that enough. Now with this stinger device that you have carlos now you can really take the guesswork out of it It really reminds me of the will it work device that georgia power is using in cars uh casey can you kind of explain the will it work device that they're using and maybe a parallel you see here yeah well so with will it work uh, georgia power
0: has a program that works with fleets to really analyze uh the the habits of the vehicles in those fleets and say you know Will an EV actually work for you to replace some or all of your fleet vehicles? And so they look at everything uh, from, you know, distances driven to duty cycles and things like that. And it sounds like, Carlos, that this is very similar in terms of the type of data that it provides. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. We're talking about, um, you know, who's using your vehicle, how long they're using your vehicle, really transmitting those important data points that uh, fleet managers want and rental managers want.
0: So here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. We were talking a little bit uh, in in the break between segments here, Um, but you know, Tim, you said sometimes there's something that doesn't make it work, right? And some of these light duty vehicles, the Polaris Gems, for instance, right? Most people don't have access to those. And and how much does one of those retail for? Twenty, yeah, something. on average, it's going to be about fifteen to twenty k. Okay, so most people aren't going to drop fifteen to twenty k to say is this going to work for me, right? right. Absolutely. But but what is your solution allow for?
2: What we wanted to do was say, look, there's two sides of the coin here. You've got people that can't afford that, uh, that extra vehicle, and they want it. They want it for their lifestyle, that three to five mile radius that they conduct their daily lifestyle in shopping, going to the doctor, et cetera. But then there are people who can't afford that. But hey, the Stinger can enable those vehicles in a fleet situation, sitting in a city for those vehicles that not only can't afford that vehicle, but any vehicle at all. And they can use it for mobility sharing.
1: Casey, when I was in uh, Seattle visiting with Microsoft, there's a couple things I want to talk about from that visit. But one of the things I noticed in downtown Seattle were these, you know, car sharing there was a kind of a a poor man's car sharing with the smart car Mm -hmm. Uh, and you would subscribe to the service and then open up the car and i guess the key was in it i wasn't a subscriber and they could park anywhere and then you had a bmw car sharing service i saw this in munich as well where you open up the bmw and you pay by the mile or by the minute uh in that car and then you just park it wherever and it, it, that it's, it's almost like being able to open that car with your phone and not have to go to some agency and rent it and fill out paperwork, that, that doing this via this platform uh, it, it is the secret sauce that enables a person to be able to do that seamlessly. And, Carlos, do you, do you, do you see you see that as a possibility with polaris gym cars or vehicles like that
2: absolutely we not only see that as a possibility with polaris gym cars but all of the other vehicles that and machines that we engage as well i mean imagine electric vehicles you being able to do that walk up to a nice four wheel vehicle with multiple passengers and be able to have cargo and go shopping with your family. But also being able to do that with a forklift that you rent out, have the users pay by the hour. Because right now- That's what I'm looking forward to is a
0: rent by the hour forklift in my community. (laughs) <laughs>
2: the, 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 these are, you know, it, it, these are things that uh, you know, rental agencies want to have that that simple system that gives the gives the user accountability, but also the ability to get the vehicle as uh, easily as quick as as quickly as, as possible.
1: Yeah, Casey, you've been to Seattle. Oh yeah, Have you seen the car sharing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what when you and I do so value your you know, your technical prowess on this stuff, what what were your thoughts as you saw it, pluses and minuses? Well, I, I, and I'm curious for Carlos's thoughts on this
0: because I think one of the big challenges with that car sharing model like they've got in Seattle and, and some other West Coast cities have it as well, because you can drop off those cars anywhere, they may not be where you want to pick up the cars, right? So so how do you solve that with, with what you're looking to do with a, a kind of a ride share solution for these light-duty vehicles? One of two things. We're looking
2: at either the opportunity to geofence these vehicles, much like you see at golf courses. There are uh, tracking uh, systems that can geofence a vehicle, stop it, slow it down, and deactivate it if it's getting too close to a demarcation line of
0: no, no point of no return. So I can't drive my forklift that I get from you from Decatur to Athens? Nope,
2: cannot, and you will not. But also... Uh, to be able to give the users the, uh, uh, a relationship with local managers. Uh, there are many small businesses that manage these vehicles, and they use them for touring. This is a new opportunity for them in their business model, where they work with the city and say, look, we'll manage that fleet for you. If, if they need to be picked up at a certain point of the day, we go out and
1: get it. The thing that comes to my mind about about vehicle sharing are these scooters that I'm seeing all over. And what What have we learned from the whole scooter situation that we could take into now this next kind of level of vehicle sharing?
2: Well, we've learned that it does work. People do use it and it's been adopted. So people, when you say mobility sharing today, people pretty much understand what you're talking about. You know, 10 years ago, they would go, what? Now it's okay, accepted. We feel that it's time for the next step in the evolution. Multiple passengers. Um, the elderly really aren't going to choose a scooter. Odds are, I'm pretty much assuming they're not going to choose a scooter to ride around town. So what we want to do is open up the opportunity and say, look, this is something that's easy to drive. You could take your grandmother in this vehicle. Oh, well, now you can have multiple passengers. Can you go shopping? Can you have a lot of uh, cargo? Also, gem cars are uh, modular, so there's, they can be solar enabled. There's
1: a lot more opportunity that we want to widen the feel open for users out there. One of the things and I, we haven't mentioned it on the show before but I can I can now say it because it's public information is that Georgia Power is going to be installing a lot of chargers at MARTA stations which means you're going to have to be able to pull a car up into that particular place you know I wonder I wonder about Polaris gym cars being able to you know, take advantage of that i mean obviously a polaris gym car doesn't use a Chatamo plug or uh, or the larger the, the larger plugs i don't think does it they actually
2: do have the capability to charge at a regular outlet or an ev charging wow
1: you, you know if that's the case and polaris is one of our one of our sponsors of our show full disclosure it would probably be good for folks in Atlanta to know this: that Marta's going to be putting these chargers out there, and that they need to make sure they get that option on their gym car because I'm sure it's an option. Uh, and it's probably going to cost them a little bit more to get that plug, and they probably need to go ahead and spend the money for it.
2: Well, it's one of the reasons we targeted the Polaris gym. It was it was the versatility. It was by frankly one of the most versatile electric vehicles out there that we felt we could enable to make this possible. And uh, it just starts with, it starts really with the versatility on charging and then it just keeps going further from there. You can go two, four, six vehicles. You can have a flatbed on the back. There's so much you can do with that vehicle.
0: So, uh, Carlos, one of the things that we saw with the scooters was a lot of challenges around uh, public policy, right? When can you ride them? Where can you ride them? Things like that. Are there any things that need to change in order to enable a fleet of, of gem cars around a, a city somewhere in Georgia? And that's the question that we ask the municipalities.
2: What, how can this work for you so that you are working with this instead of saying, here it is figured out. I'm not saying that's what other models have done, but I'm saying our approach is exactly that. How will this work for your community? We've got ideas, we've got assumptions, but we want to work with you first so that you adopt it as yours and it works for you so it's a smoother uh, transition.
1: You know, Carlos, as, as people get elected to office, and oftentimes the very first office a person never gets elected to is a city council office. That's, that's a beginning place. I remember running a campaign for a guy in Norcross in 1991, getting him elected. These, these people that get elected, they do want to deliver on something. They want to accomplish a goal maybe that they had talked about as they campaigned and visited with people door to door. And so when you come in with a turnkey, in this case, no key solution, being able to help them solve a mobility issue, this could be huge in helping, uh, in helping uh, candidates who are running for these city council offices or county commission offices be able to, to essentially message a great idea and a way to accomplish that. Look, to
2: all of those candidates that are running for office, that are looking for a a clean energy platform to attack a lot of these issues when it comes around alternative transportation, last mile, this is something we feel that can move that forward. And we're ready to work with them and talk to them about what we've learned and what our technology can do. You know, We would say meet us halfway with helping us find the funding, that can make this happen and and help us talk to the leadership and understand what they want because it's flexible we know the basic problems but
1: what is specific to your environment wow this is good this is really good stuff i want to keep this going uh i'd love to have folks stick around and have more conversation about electric mobility and transportation i'm tim Eccles, your host i'm at Tim Eccles on Twitter. Our shows at Matters Radio. Casey, what's your Twitter handle? It's at Casey Boyce. At Casey Boyce. And Carlos, how about yours?
2: We're at Facebook at Team XIQ. We're at Twitter at, at ElectronicsIQ TeamXIQ.com and Instagram at, at Team XIQ. And I just want to make one final note. It is called the Stinger. I know
1: it sounds like Georgia Tech, but it, it has UGA colors. It's red and black. Got to love that. Stick around. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Creative Solar USA is a Georgia-based turnkey installer of innovative solar panel systems. They're dedicated to energy solutions for both your home and business. With their NABCEP certified installers, they ensure their clients receive the highest quality of solar energy systems in the industry. Contact CSUSA today at 770-485-7438 or go to creativesolarusa.com.
0: This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Bello Solar.
1: Hey, welcome back to Energy Matters. I'm Tim Eccles, your host. I'm at Tim Eccles on Twitter. Our show's at Matters Radio. In the studio with me, Casey Boyce. Welcome back, Casey. Thanks, Tim. And Carlos Waltz from Avondale Estate. Hello. Hey, Carlos. How's Good it going?
2: To Good to see you, fellow Morrow person. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. We we grew up not too far from each other down in Clayton County. Uh, I happened to be on the Beltline the other day, and I one of the things that I think everybody loves is the fact that this uh, th- that this this Beltline is growing in size, is connecting to other things. Other things are trying to connect to it. it it's it's become kind of this artery that's also a magnet for economic development. We're talking about low-speed electric vehicles today and there's a difference between a low-speed electric vehicle and a golf cart so carlos why don't you why don't we just start out and just define for us what a, what a low-speed electric vehicle is everybody in our audience i'm sure has seen a golf cart but they may not have seen an official lsv tell us tell us the difference well
2: golf carts as many people have seen they're wonderful and you can ride around your neighborhood but they're not street legal LSVs, on the other hand, LSV standing for low-speed vehicle. These vehicles are uh, DOT-tested street legal vehicles. They are le- they go a maximum of 25 miles an hour, but they are a- they are legal to go on roads up to
1: 35 miles an hour. Yeah, 35. So uh, I don't know that there's a street in downtown Atlanta that is over 35. Right, and and this is essentially at the core of
2: one of the issues that we have been facing or, or learned about as we started to move in this direction. And it was infrastructure. Can these vehicles really connect these communities? They can connect them in their particular ecosystems, but they can, they create a sense of connectivity between each community. And we said, yes, because these vehicles being able to A, travel on these 35 mile an hour roads. If you look at many municipalities, they are connected by one main road, one or two that are 35 miles an hour. So the connectivity opportunity or infrastructure is already there. It's the details working out. Do you want to have a supportive lane, parking spaces and things like that?
0: And Carlos, how far do these vehicles go on a charge? You got about a sixty to eighty mile range on these vehicles. So at thirty-five miles an hour, you're you're in that for yes, yeah, absolutely.
2: You've right. got you've got some range, but furthermore, remember these vehicles have a top speed of twenty-five miles an hour. Yeah. And right now, what's the name of the game? Slowing down traffic. So more of these vehicles on the road actually help slow traffic down because you're not going faster than twenty-five.
1: So let's think if you were trying to get from Avondale Estates, mm-hmm. which is uh, f- folks that may not know. Atlanta geography. It's kind of out on the east side of our city in DeKalb County. Let's say you were trying to get to downtown Atlanta in a low-speed vehicle. DeKalb Avenue, is that 35 or? All the way. 35 all the way. So you could actually drive all the way to downtown. Absolutely. In theory... In, in, I, I don't know if which just where the details start right. to creep yeah. in. I don't
0: know, Tim, if you've driven to Cab Avenue anytime lately, but usually speeds are more like 50 55 down to Cab Avenue.
1: Yeah, so people might be frustrated behind you. Mm-hmm. Right. Here's the thing that, where politicians get nervous they start promoting these low speed electric vehicles, right? Get, getting onto Cab Avenue, connecting Avondale with Inman Park with, you know, with downtown. And all of a sudden, we've got a bunch of them out there. And now we've slowed everything down to 25 miles an hour. People use it as an alternative route to work. Now they're angry. Now they're ready to throw out these officials. And then it's a disaster, and the policies are reversed, and all the money's wasted.
2: Which is why we take this one step at a time. This is an elephant we're talking about here. And you, like they say, how do you eat one? One chunk at a time that's why we want to focus on the communities first Avondale what's going on Decatur what's going on Kirkwood what's let's focus the vehicles in that ecosystem first and see how this serves them then we can talk about connecting those communities once we take it from that approach and 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 make it work for them and work for their initiatives it's a much smoother process in my opinion well,
0: and, and Carlos, it strikes me that, you know, what you talked about before in terms of thinking about the infrastructure is is right on here. So, again, going back to the DeKalb Avenue example, um, I, I was out. The the Atlanta Bicycle Coalition does a Streets Alive program, and they closed down DeKalb Avenue, you know, back, I don't know, six months ago, eight months ago, completely to cars. So you could ride your bike, you could walk, you could roller skate, whatever you wanted to do. And it was fantastic, and people were everywhere. And I know there are a lot of folks that like to bike commute from – you know, Decatur-Avondale, kind of east side of Atlanta, downtown or Georgia Tech or, you know, Coke or what have you. Um, And and so it seems that, you know, if what you're talking about, these light, uh, low-speed vehicles really uh, take flight, you know, that has the potential to really reshape some of this infrastructure for all users, right? So it's it's the automobile, it's the low-speed vehicles, it's the cyclists, it's everyone. Absolutely. And what we're talking about here is we want to keep the cars parked.
2: So if there are more of these vehicles on the road and less of the cars, well, now we don't have the angry car drivers. They have an alternative and they start to recognize there's something else on the road other than a bus, other than a train, which is on a rail, obviously, other than bikes that people are using. But again, one step at a time, we cannot solve this thing overnight. And this is our
1: contribution. I don't know if you guys have been to communities uh, like Charleston, for example, The, the last Sunday of the month, I think they closed down King Street to traffic. And on King Street, everybody's out there walking. They have a little festival environment, and people really look forward to that. Uh, it, it, I, I wonder, and, and I, was, I was on the Beltline this weekend, Irwin Street crosses over the belt, Beltline, very dangerous intersection for, for hitting people. I mean, the Beltline was absolutely packed and when I was on the Beltline last weekend. I would love to see something like a policy that says, you know, on Sundays or on Saturday. We're going to shut these roads down and make it more friendly to either pedestrians, scooters, bikes, all of the above, all the things that you would see on a Beltline, including, uh, in this case, the low speed electric vehicles. And if you had something as wide as a DeCab Avenue, which is about eight times, ten times wider than the Beltline itself, people could really start to look forward to that. You could probably change the whole so- social dynamic of weekend life there. I mean, is that too radical, Carlos?
2: Absolutely not. I mean, let's look at what's happening now. Large cities like Paris, France, are shutting down their city centers to cars. If they can do it, it can happen elsewhere. And there has to be an alternative. People are gonna want a choice. If they can't jump in their car, they're going to want to jump in something. And they're going to want something, logic would indicate, they're going to want something that is similar to the opportunities that the car provides. The opportunity for multiple passengers cargo plus technology on that vehicle that allows them to do what they do because people are getting used to a one-click world and with our patented technology that's where what we're introducing to these vehicle we can enable that it's just a matter of taking the first steps
0: well i think tim you hit on something that's really important right which is is changing the social dynamic i don't know if you had this experience but when i first got uh, an ev i noticed that because it was quiet um, that I was much more interactive with people as they were walking or biking or whatever, right? So it, it really sort of instilled a sense of community for me personally. And I think these gem vehicles, you know, they've got no doors or light doors and, and they're quiet similarly, right? So if you've got people that are out, you know, I, I have neighbors who drive around in golf carts are always stopping and talking to folks, right? So, I mean, I think there's this value uh, that you hit on in terms of how do we weave back that sense of community and meeting people out on, on the road as we're out about doing our thing. Absolutely. I think
2: if you put the tools in people's hands, like we've seen before, people appreciate it, they use it, and they adapt, and change occurs. It's one step at a time, but change can occur.
1: You know, when you slow down, I haven't really thought about the speed, Casey, until you said it, but when you slow things way down, you are able to smell the roses, so to speak. You're able to, one, see more things because you're not going as fast. And if it's quiet and you've got no doors or light doors, you certainly have an opportunity to interact with people almost as you're driving, as you're going something that you really weren't able to do with a car in a main road with people barreling behind you. So I don't know. There, there may be there may be some opportunity coming for us to essentially create communities you know, that, that are more pedestrian, more mobility friendly, more bike friendly the things that allow people to slow down and interact more. And
2: if they have the opportunity to get on a vehicle and ride together, for example, if there's one scooter and five people standing around and they need to get somewhere, one person rides it. But if you have a two, four or six seater vehicle, well, multiple people can ride that thing and they don't know each other. It's a minibus, And they have the opportunity to split the cost. Think about things like that. A way to really give people the opportunity to commune and have transportation at the same time and we take the social interaction to the next level.
1: I've noticed down at uh, Seagrove Beach where we vacation in the summer as well as at Jekyll and St. Simons that that more and more people when they go to vacation they're renting a low-speed electric vehicle and they're using that to put the cooler on to drive it down to the beach parking to let the to let their hair blow in the breeze to have a fun thing for the kids to do that's different than they than they normally do, so I, I think that more and more people are utilizing these. To your point, Carlos, uh, to just slow things down and make it a part of, of recreation.
2: Absolutely, and again, I, I remind people what we what we saw when we started was these vehicles are being utilized more and more to address lifestyles, not a specific initiatives. Yes, you can use these carts and these vehicles for golf and you can use them for fleets, but there are more and more people using them to support their lives. And what's next? People are going to want the tools, the technology to uh, 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 enhance that experience.
1: Yeah. So you can see, Casey, the Stinger being able to to rent one of these and just have the combo, and then it changed for the next person, and having multiple accounts with different combos, being able to get the the data from it, you can see how that could really be a game changer on these type of vehicles.
0: Well, I, like I said, I'm you know I'm really looking forward to renting my forklift. I'm gonna put a couch on the front of that bad boy, and I'm gonna drive around town. <laughs> and it's all about choices. And might I add, this is a patented device. We work very
2: hard on this, and we have that that space. We own that special place uh, space in the ignition to be able to expand the opportunity. For the users, so we're proud to say this is fully patented on 13 claims to make all of this possible.
1: When we come back, we're going to take some questions that folks have about mobility and scooters and all of these things. Talk more about that. I'm Tim Eccles. Uh, I'm the host, and my Twitter handles Tim Eccles at Tim Eccles. Casey, uh, I'm at Casey Boyce, and Carlos, I'm at
2: electronics IQ Instagram team X IQ Facebook team X IQ and we're at
1: teamxiq.com. stick around for more conversation on electric mobility chemicals here for solar Sun world no doubt you've seen solar panels popping up all over Georgia if you want the precision of German engineering when it comes to solar solar Sun world is for you. The folks there understand the complexities of solar and how to make it work. From tax credits to inverters to accelerated depreciation, they'll unpack it all. They've been in business for over 25 years. To find out more, go to Solarsunworld.com. That's Solarsunworld.com. Hey, it's Commissioner Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters. I want to tell you about Kevin Rowe and Rowe Insulating Company. If you need insulation anywhere within 60 miles of Athens, Georgia, you need to call 706 795 Two eight five four. It's important, isn't it, John? It's it is the most important thing you can do in your house. It's the low hanging fruit of everything that we talk about on Energy right. Matters every single week. That's
0: exactly right.
1: Yeah, call seven zero six seven nine five two eight five four. The seven zero six seven nine five two eight five four. Row Insulating Company. Get comfortable. Energy Matters would like to thank Gas South for its support of the show. Gas South has a no-deposit
2: policy and offers some of the lowest per-therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. Gas South, the difference is good.
0: this half hour of energy matters is brought to you by velo solar they solve energy challenges for their clients with a uniquely data-driven process they're highly technical double engineer led firm that leverages proprietary smart grid software to evaluate and take care of each customer's unique energy profile and needs
1: and they're located right on the Beltline. indeed they are down there uh i guess it's off crog crog street and if folks uh you know we're, we're you know we're we record in Athens, and maybe maybe some Athenians haven't had a chance to go down uh, and experience the Beltline, but it is a cool thing, isn't it, Casey? Carlos, it was, yes, and it is.
0: You may not know this, Tim, but I was among the team that helped make the Beltline a reality back in the day. Oh, seriously, wow. seriously,
1: yeah. How did that come about?
0: Uh, happened to get connected with a gentleman by the name of Ray Weeks after uh, Mayor Shirley Franklin had tapped him to run the Beltline Partnership and uh, did a whole bunch of stuff up front uh, to help get it off the ground.
1: Carlos, you've been on the Beltline?
2: Absolutely. It's wonderful. It's a great, great opportunity for everyone that's in the
0: community. I, I love it.
1: And it really is just a smaller part of this giant rails to trails type of public policy that's sweeping the country.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I've always described it as rails to trails on steroids.
1: What is the financial model for that, Casey? I mean, how, do, how does it work? Is the city paying for it? Is the county paying for it? Who, who's funding that? that
0: yeah, so work? The, the big. Uh, funding chunk, and it's it's a couple of different things, but the, the big piece of funding comes from what's called a tax allocation district. So the way that that works is that as certain properties redevelop around the Beltline, the increased property taxes from that new development go into a fund to pay for the infrastructure in the Beltline. So the city bonded against that. They got a whole bunch of bu- money to build the infrastructure, and then it's being paid back by all of the development that's been happening. And uh, I haven't looked at it recently, but at least judging from what I've seen on the development front, boy, they're they're doing all right
1: i was walking along with uh with mark bell uh from from uh, velo solar and we walked by a you know set of condos and he said see that three-story condo that's a million dollar condo right there i'm going what you gotta be kidding me the fund for the belt line must be filling up because surely the property values are going up over there
0: i think so yeah
1: a lot of cool stuff. Pont City Market is on there, Crog Street Market, and now the Cox Mobility Pivot Facility is just 1.2 miles from the Beltline as it as it kind of continues west uh, on that side. So I think there's a lot of opportunity. In the studio, Casey and Carlos, we've been talking electric mobility, some of the challenges around this, some public policy issues of, hey, hey so how do we slow down traffic, get people to enjoy themselves more Uh, But it does seem like that we've we've got a perfect storm going here, Carlos, because millennials out there and this next generation coming along, they don't necessarily want to own a car. They like this idea of sharing stuff and using Uber and Lyft uh, and just kind of paying for the portion that they use. We've got some potential customers, I guess, or citizens who value this kind of experience.
2: Well, we're talking about the emergence of the sharing economy. It's new, relatively new. It's widespread, and it shows you that people are ready for the change. And what is usually the group that adopts first? Well, it tends to be a younger generation, but they're open to it, and they're leading the charge. And it's really exciting to talk to and and work with and engage uh, younger individuals that see it. They can explain it. To their families, the importance of it, and really move it forward. But yeah, just like the Beltline, it that is a concept that connects communities. It's beautiful. It's great, and you can see that it works. You know,
1: we've got communities like Athens, Clark County, that's investing a tremendous amount of money in their biking infrastructure. I mean, Athens, uh, Athens is a is a biking town, and we've we've covered this on our show before. We've had biking experts in here from Georgia Bikes and. Um, and talked about all the things that are around that but it seems like it seems like you could almost share any device you could almost create these uh these these stingers that work on anything right uh right the the and the, is sorry. that happening
2: then the technology is adaptive you know like i said we started with golf carts and the market started to ask us hey come over here can you do these vehicles and once we really started to understand oh, we, we really, this is as versatile as we thought it was. Then we thought, well, you know, we can adapt this uh, hardware to integrate with just about anything. Um, so yes, we, we definitely wanna move into the space where we can enable other vehicles like bikes and scooters too.
0: But yeah, you, know, you have to start somewhere, but yes, absolutely. We have the versatility to move forward. So what's the most unique vehicle you've integrated with so far? Uh, I, I would say um, we
2: were working on uh, integrating with an elephant vacuum. I don't know if you guys have ever heard one of those, mm-hmm. but essentially when you go to a stadium, usually a stadium, and everyone drops their popcorn and trash on the ground, there's a team that comes in, and you sometimes see them on the streets of Atlanta. It's this huge tube that comes over the shoulder or over the vehicle, and it looks like an elephant tusk, and it sucks everything up. Hmm. Well, those are actually activated with these little key ignitions, <laughs> and they can't, uh, one of the companies said, hey, can you put stingers on those to so we can activate and deactivate them. And we said, oh, yeah, if it's a conventional ignition, we can do that. And <laughs> that was probably one of the most interesting uh, engagements we had.
0: Very cool.
1: Yeah, elephant vacuums. Who knows? I mean, yeah. You, you <laughs> stick around Energy Matters, and you're going to yeah. eventually learn a little bit <laughs> about, about everything. Well, Casey and, and Carlos, let me, let me just uh, put this question out there. As we think about smart cities, and we've certainly talked a lot about smart cities on our show, because we deal a lot with technology, and autonomous, semi-autonomous semi-auto- vehicles. How, what, what is the intersection of an autonomous vehicle with, uh, with electric mobility and all the things that we're talking about and, and ways to get people from point A to point B?
2: Well, with the autonomous vehicles, there's no driver at all, and they are moving on their own. Vehicle, uh, users get on. They move and they get to their location or destination, which is cool. That's really great. What we're focused on is all of those people that either want to use the vehicles within the city or other areas. For example, if they have a electric vehicle or cart and they want to Airbnb that cart, someone comes and they want to charge them by the hour to not only rent their home, but also rent that vehicle. That's where we want to uh, directions. We want to go in uh, aside from the autonomous. Uh, uh, area, So th- those are where we, we, we kind of are similar but different.
1: Now, I wonder if there's an issue, like at the Atlanta airport, at every concourse, there's there's electric little shuttles that have, you know, two, four, six, eight passenger capacity. They're taking maybe a, a senior down to the end of the concourse. I wonder, you know, if, if those are prospects for the Stinger. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. Case in point, um, you know, those
2: are great vehicles for transportation, as we've all seen. But wouldn't it be cool if they were on a schedule? Because there's so many of them moving through the airport. I came back from a trip with my family from Germany, and uh, it was a nine-hour trip, and you know it's a long walk from when you get the international concourse over to the, over to luggage. Um, and, and here, luckily here comes an electric cart. We got a ride. It was great. But then I thought, wow, what if our technology was on there, so we could, so they could tell people a schedule, or they could uh, determine where people are, so they can manage a scheduled transportation opportunity for uh for passengers with these vehicles that are driving around inside the airport i think people would like that i know i would have
1: yeah you know for me as a as a statewide elected official having been a very strong promoter of electric vehicles in a state with club car and easy go Mm -hmm. making tens of thousands of of electric vehicles i just would love to see us have dominance in this area everywhere with with Cox Enterprises investing $350 million in Rivian and knowing that we're going to get a lot of Rivian trucks here that are electric with UPS leading the way. If And if we could just look at everything about our city and go, okay, how, how can we integrate these vehicles into every aspect? Where when people would come to Atlanta, they would leave going, man, I've never seen so many electric vehicles in my life. I mean, that's the kind of thing I'd love to see happen before I finish my service at the Georgia Public Service Commission.
2: We did a demo back in August uh, with a, a, a small mobility sharing course in Avondale, and we had a couple of gym cars out, and we let people try this concept out See that it's it can be real. And one of the first things I said to the crowd was look, this is happening right here. This is not some faraway story that's happening in Silicon Valley, and there's nothing wrong with Silicon Valley. It's just that Atlanta can be the forefront of the next evolution of mobility on many levels, and it's happening here. We're building these stingers here in Norcross, Georgia. We're here testing this in Avondale estates. This is gonna be an explosion, and this is You know atlanta is going to be the epicenter and we want to have this to be the 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 forefront of the wave of new mobility opportunities among other things with all, all kinds of vehicles
1: well i promised a question uh that uh that i have here about this and i'll throw this out to either of you to see if you know it question here is do i have to have insurance to drive an lev or a golf cart like i do with uh with an automobile as far as I know, with golf carts, you don't have to have insurance, but you, the
2: opportunity's there. Now, when it comes to LSVs, if you're driving it on public roads, as far as I know, yes, insurance is key. Because that is like your registered vehicle on a public road, like your car. You have to have insurance. So as more and more cities engage these vehicles, yes, you have to get them registered. So the answer would be uh
0: uh, yes. But yeah, I'd imagine right. it'd be a lot less expensive to insure since it's not going as as fast as a regular right. passenger vehicle. Yeah, right.
1: so And I guess since those vehicles require a tag, the state has the ability to determine if you're insured or not because they tie that to – tie that to the registration
2: absolutely absolutely and you know again one of the things that we want to introduce with our technology is again it's software driven we can tap into a database and verify if someone a has insurance or b is a licensed driver when they engage these vehicles at the point of engagement to tell someone are you old enough to drive this Hmm. Or red flag someone if their certification runs out on that forklift. Those are directions that we're going to go.
1: I don't know if you guys have seen uh, the State Farm commercials about uh, "Don't mess with my discount." Uh, and you know, until I started putting their device in my car, I didn't fully understand what they were talking about. But this device, and you know, we. You know we really don't have a ton of time to go into this but this device actually scores my turns my acceleration i mean it's really watching what you're doing you're a lot more comfortable with big brother than i am yeah Yeah. so uh, so i've got it in all my vehicles because i get a little bit of a discount uh, but Uh, I can see where folks are very concerned about someone looking over their shoulder on that. Well, what a great show. Great to have you here, Carlos. Thank you so much. much. Casey, thanks for co-hosting today. My pleasure. Thanks, Carlos. Thank you. Appreciate you guys having me here. I'm Tim Eccles. You've been listening to Energy Matters. Have a great rest of the day.
0: Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at gassouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good.
1: Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking ProjectShareInfo.com. And thank you.